Hello, everyone, and welcome to Comic Book Herald's Cree Annotators. I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. I am joined today by the writer of Spider-Woman and Betty Page. It is Carla Pacheco. Carla, thanks so much for joining today. I'm excited to have you here. Oh, thanks for having me on. Uh, I will give you a heads up. I am currently dog sitting out in the country. So mm. uh, there are four little dogs that are probably about to bark right about now. So. That was on cue. Did you, <laughs> did you train that? Did you practice that? That was impressive. I, I, I've mostly got them uh, trained to start barking anytime uh, someone asks for spoilers. Okay. <laughs> and then they just okay. set, then they just set up a huge racket. <laughs> <laughs> Turn it out. Very nice. Cool. So let's let's get started then. Dog interruptions expected and encouraged. <laughs> um, how did how did you get started? writing with Marvel. Uh, over the last couple of years, you've been doing some work. Obviously, now the big ongoing is Spider-Woman. Uh, what was your, kind of your road to getting in there uh, with the with the big publisher? Uh, it's basically uh, having the Punisher in hot pants uh, fighting mm -hmm. Fin Fang Foom, as, mm -hmm. as everyone's career tra trajectory goes. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I think two, two and a half years ago or so, uh, Kathleen Wisniewski, who is currently at Marvel, Marvel and is just an amazing editor, uh, she contacted me. And, you know, so it's it was one of those fun days where it's like, you know, you get an email of, hey, do you have any interest in writing for Marvel? And it's like, yeah. uh, let me uh, just think about that. Sure. Let me let me ponder. Mm -hmm, Play mm -hmm. it cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, meanwhile, I'm running around the boat just flailing my arms wildly going like Yee! um and so for this case it was specifically they were interested in having a story for the Gwynpool holiday mix-up the the Gwynpool annual like the mm -hmm. holiday annual and i was kind of given carte blanche for which was pretty exciting for the very first comic i get to do for marvel and it was they were like yeah we just need you to come up with a fake holiday that can kind of go in this book of fake holidays with you know uh with Gwynpool and you know I think the only parameters they gave me were we can't use the Fantastic Four right now because they're on the moon but anyone else like go nuts okay yeah and uh part of me was like okay this is my big chance I you know I I, I don't want to screw this up I don't know if I'm ever going to get a chance to write for Marvel again so you know maybe I should like dig deep and try to find like some really like old school, like deep dive character that I could bring back and it'll be huge and everyone will love it. And they'll yeah. like have me writing a hundred issues from then on. And then like immediately after it's like, I don't know if I'm ever going to get to write for Marvel again. So I'm just going to do <laughs> like what I want, which was having Fin Fang Foom fight the Punisher in hot pants. So yeah. uh, that, that was basically how my, uh, my career with Marvel started and uh, surprisingly they went for it. And even more surprisingly, they asked me to do some more. And so there were a few other uh, backup stories along the lines, uh, uh, you know, along the way. And then last year they asked uh, for, you know, I had the, uh, the Punisher acts of evil uh, uh, one shot, like the annual with that, where again, put the, Punisher in hot pants, and is the, the is the Punisher a particular favorite of yours? Since oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. no. I, I, I absolutely, I, I love the Punisher, and it, it really sucks that uh, so many bad actors, so to speak, have yeah. tried to take over that character and claim them, claim him for themselves. But right, it, you know, honestly, it's like if I see someone with a, you know, 
Punisher Blue Lives Matter sticker on their truck. A, I pretty am pretty sure I'm not safe around them. B, I know they're not reading the comics. Like mm-hmm. they don't mm-hmm. care about the Punisher, like these fake geek haters. <laughs> um, it is a it's a really strange and complicated character in that regard, right? Yeah, Where the, it, the logo means something different than yeah. the experience of reading the comics a lot of times. And, and yeah. I, I I really hate you know, and I know Jerry Conway feels the same way. Oh, yeah. uh, like oh, yeah. we really hate them trying to take this character that is the opposite of what they are standing for. Um, so I, you know, I always have fun with the character. I really, lo- really love writing him. I just, I think that's a really fun voice and I really enjoy it. And especially in the, the annual where I have him with, uh, teaming up with J. Jonah Jameson in space as you it's more, do. It's more of a comedy beat, right? It's, with, it's with a J. comedy Jonah beat. And... Yeah. It's a comedy beat, but like, I, I mean, like I had a couple of tender moments and a lot of ass kicking and, yeah. you know, brood fights, but, uh, you know, we, I definitely had a lot of fun with that. And then after that, uh, they had me uh, ask me to do the Fantastic Four 2099 yes. one shot. And so that, w- that was fun of getting to create an entirely new Fantastic Four. And, you know, this this fun, you know, little universe that a bunch of other really great crea- creators were all uh, collaborating on. And then I just killed mine. <laughs> yeah. One and done. <laughs> One and done. Um, and then after that is when they uh, they asked about if I had any interest in, you know, bringing back Spider Woman, to which nice. I was very enthusiastic and very unprepared and very unprepared for yeah. uh, the reaction to it. <laughs> yeah, all right. Well, we'll talk about that for sure. So, so Spider Woman was a character that they brought to you as opposed to you having a pitch it kind of set for mm-hmm. the character. So when they come to you then and say, hey, we have a character on the table. Here's an ongoing we're thinking about. Is that the point where you start kicking and saying, okay, what can I do oh, with yeah. that character? And like, oh, what yeah. is that? I guess, what is that process like for you? Uh, well, for me at this, at the, uh, the point that they, they asked about that, I was actually, uh, you know, I've, 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 I apologize to anyone who's like, Carla keeps telling this story, but I just think it's a really funny story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I was actually camping in the middle of the desert, uh, doing dispersed camping. So there's not even a campground. I was just on a mountain in the middle of the Arizona desert, camping in a tent and occasionally getting signal. And when the email came through, they're like, yeah, we're uh, bringing back spider woman. Uh, yeah. we wondered, wondered if you wanted to, uh, pitch, you know, what, what, what your spider woman would look like hmm. um, and what you'd want to do with, you know, you know, a character or some of the arcs. And I knew they were asking a few other people, but uh, I went ahead and wrote a bunch of stuff up in front of a uh, bonfire drinking fireball uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> then drove down uh, to a tiny mining town so I could steal Wi-Fi to upload, you know, my pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, they they had kind of let me know the direction they were interested in, kind of the tone that they were interested in, and that was definitely something where I was all about that. Like they definitely wanted to take it in a big, over the top, action heavy series, and I was like, mm-hmm. yes, I am all about that. When you um, say they, is that oh, the uh, editor of the series? Yeah, primarily? yeah, yeah, ed- yeah. Editor. So you know, at this point, it was a uh, Jake uh, Jake Thomas and Lindsay Kowick, mm-hmm. um, who have been. Uh, the Spider Woman editors extraordinaire and definitely have brought this whole book together in just such an amazing way. So uh, I, you know, I, I wrote up how it goes is I wrote up a couple different 
ideas, basically arc ideas, you know, concepts mm -hmm. that we could pursue. And then we talked about those, kind of picked out which ones they were excited about. And then we just kind of kept refining where, you know, where we would like, what we would like to start the series off as, where we'd like to take it. Yeah. And, uh, and from there, just, uh, they teamed us up with uh, Pare and everything has just been bonkers ever since then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So yeah, we'll, we'll talk about the book in, in detail here, but Spider-Woman number one was the best selling comic of March, 2020, um, kind of before the pandemic, you know, shut down comics and, and the yeah, world, it, it immediately before everything shut down. So yeah, it's so crazy, it, timing, but it's also like, that's, I mean, tremendous success. I mean, like when you look at the chart, it's ahead of Batman. <laughs> oh, I know that was, I, I was just like, I kicked Batman's ass. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, and definitely not something, you know, it's like, I had my little hopes. It's like, oh, it'd be really cool. It's like, is it hubris for me to say, I really hope we end up in the top 10 or like yeah, top sure. 25 um because obviously marvel had been putting a huge amount of support behind it with all the uh, variant covers and all the um like they had me come out to new york in february and do a lot of promotional stuff mm. so they they were definitely like behind the book from the get-go and i was yeah. i was really impressed and wasn't expecting it for my first series <laughs> um yeah and uh, so, yeah, they definitely they, they put a ton of support behind it and everyone was really enthusiastic about the book. But I still, you know, you don't want to get too far ahead of yourself or, you know, get get your hopes up too high because it's comics and you never know what's going to happen. And in this case, it was apparently that I uh, kicked off a global pandemic, but that's probably not my fault. <laughs> I don't know if you need to take that uh, squarely it, on your shoulders. It, it, yeah. Entirely. Um, but no, for for the numbers that we did and the support of the book, that was just, that was completely a uh, huge surprise for me. I think it was a surprise for Marvel. Um, none sure. of us knew it was going to be that big, but yeah, March well, was- Spider-Woman is a character who certainly has a strong fan base. She's had a, a very good, I guess, 2000s uh, comparatively mm -hmm. to, to like the 80s and 90s in the sense of like Brian Michael Bendis made a big push to yeah, bring yeah. her back as part of his Avengers. And but she's bounced around solo series here and there. It's not like she's had the the continuity of a Spider-Man in in terms yeah. of that literal. Just you're always available and always in a series. Um. So yeah, for it to debut, even as the the number one Marvel book, I mm -hmm. think is like a huge statement about the moment. Kind of speaking to readers in a way that is atypical compared to yeah. how the character's been treated in the past. What do you think it is about like this moment, this this book launching that kind of grabbed that attention? Oh man, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough one. But no, it's a no. She, I mean, she's, you know, she's clearly, you know, we this uh, issue number five uh, was the legacy number one hundred that just came right. out, and that was really fun to do. But you know, for a forty-three-year-old character, us only now getting to issue one hundred, yeah, right, is actually, you know, it, it's. You know, she's definitely had some amazing solo runs, but it's been a couple years since mm -hmm. she had a solo run. And she usually does end up, um, you know, either as I wouldn't say a sidekick, but more part of the team books. And I think she always like especially like, you know, Kelly Sue and Kelly Thompson and Teeny have all been using uh, Spider-Woman to great success in various, yeah. you know, in Captain Marvel and Strike Force. And right. so they've definitely all been, you know, she's 
stayed she's stuck around like she's been out there but it's it has been quite a while i guess since she's had you know a solo run and so it was i th- i think she's just for old school jessica drew fans there's the appeal of her just being such a funny uh funny smart ass character that also has kind of a grounding to yeah. her um so it's not like an over the top Deadpool who I also love. Um you know, like Deadpool you've got, you know, the funny character that's just over the top and surreal and amazing. And then you've got your darker characters that tend to be more Punisher and stuff. And so I think Jessica Drew definitely has like these humorous elements with kind of this strain of like the darker um you know, ass kicking. And so right. I think that her just, history is fairly dark and you, and you dig into this in the work, but when you actually dig into those origins, it's like, it's pretty messed up. Yeah. <laughs> like, the, a, like what she's gone through. You yeah, know? no, it's definitely like, it's a character with a lot of trauma and it's what I've definitely been exploring in the new series has been, she's not someone who's ever actually dealt with that trauma <laughs> or mm. at least not dealt with it very well. Um, yeah. A lot of like, yeah, she's just, had just a pretty traumatic life um, and uses humor as a coping mechanism and kind of like there's, there's a certain stoicism to her behind all the wisecracks um, where she just, she doesn't really deal with stuff well. (laughs) Um, And I just think that she she plays it tough, right? She, she, She plays it tough. And, but it's also not just, you know, oh, I'm a badass. I'm a strong female character. There's a humanity and a grounding to her that I think, uh, you know, I think one of the things that I heard so much from people when the series was first announced, uh, you know, about a year ago, was people who just relate to Jessica. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. uh, I think she is a very relatable, a very human superhero. Yeah, definitely. And, And yeah, and so I think, no matter what incarnation that, you know, people decided was their favorite or the ones that they first came to her as a character, there is something that you can really relate to on a lot of mm-hmm. different levels. And I think there's, yeah, I think that's just a huge part of the appeal. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. No, it makes sense. And it comes through in this work because it's, she has these, this tremendous family drama and kind of trauma <laughs> you're talking about, you know, cause she's, she's basically raised as part of a Hydra plot. Like yeah. it's kind of her like origin and how she's given her powers. I, I remember, you know, we do a reading club where we go through like the, we're going year by year through Marvel comics history. It's called my marvelous year. Mm-hmm. And one of the issues, I think it's Marvel spotlight 32. I think the, the Hydra, I think it's Otto Vermes who's, legacy mm-hmm. plays into this as well mm-hmm. he like convinces her she's actually a spider at one point he's like <laughs> yeah. like no like you were a spider and now i made you a hu-. it's like really messed up mind games yeah, that they're yeah. playing with her um it, when you're when you're going into a character like this that has that continuity that is kind of sporadic that is spread out across different series how do you approach that as uh as a creator because you're you're pulling for like you're dealing with her history a lot yeah. in terms of the comic book continuity was that for you like going back and reading a bunch of issues is it kind of like just catching up and being like i like this idea let's really hone in on that how do you how do you approach that uh so yeah obviously like a lot of it was stuff i was already familiar with like in the bendis runs because that's uh like bendis uh with uh 
Bendis using Jess in Avengers was my first, you know, introduction to her as yeah. a reader. Um, and obviously I've used, basically I've used Origins as my jumping off point yeah. for a lot of the history while also kind of exploring kind of pulling in a few more threads from the really old school stuff. But, you know, Brian Michael Bendis had already done that with the, with origins, but I, I kind of made a few things a little more, I guess like, no, that really happened. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Because, cause yeah, there has been a lot of, you know, mind control or, deception in her past so mm -hmm. it's uh at when you're building canon off of that it's a past that has had so many lies and mm. so many convoluted elements to it that you know bringing all that together as a whole is definitely you know it's a challenge but i wanted to make sure that i was using all that like i wasn't throwing away any of the history of right. the character i was expanding on it and using like basically it was like, I was like, okay, I'm going to pull this thread up. I'm going to pull this thread up and see what happens when I stitch this one with this one and then add in a new thread. And so I've definitely been, you know, expanding stuff, but I also wanted to make sure that it was accessible to someone who wasn't familiar with the character at all. Right. That's and, a trick, huh? Yeah. This, this tapestry, <laughs> like you're saying, it's complicated. And then you you throw in Hydra and Skrulls. Yeah. And it's like, okay, so any of <laughs> almost any of this could be undone. Like any of yeah, this could yeah. be like, well, that was a scroll. And therefore, yeah. you know, so you, you have some flexibility yeah. in terms of how you bend that origin while still staying true to what yeah. has come before. Yeah. With and the, with and definitely cool. early on when, uh, you know, we were discussing what direction do we, you know, does Marvel and I want to take the character, you know, mind control was brought up because they did want to have just kind of breaking bad and uh i was like we ain't doing mind control but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah it's like jess has had enough of that uh thank i mean you. seriously yeah but i dev i don't know that what i ended up doing to her was any kinder <laughs> for sure uh because I, I at least it's at least it's her dealing with I don't know. It's like it's her dealing with what's happening on her own in control, yeah. control of her faculties, I suppose. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's basically it's a physical element. It's something very physical that's happening to her. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, you know, it's an interesting dichotomy because she's a character who's always dealt with things physically rather. Mm -hmm. You know, if she has a problem, you know, even though she is a detective, you know, uh, as well. It's I think her solution to most things has been kind of punching them versus how am I going to, you know, solve this out. And so I think right now her body is being attacked. So it's kind of like she's being betrayed from the inside. Yeah. And so all of a sudden the things that, you know, she, her normal solutions to things aren't working right now. And so she's had to try to force her way through all of this. But in the meantime, her powers have also been incredibly augmented and she's kind of digging that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is. It's an interesting angle for the character where uh, the violence is amplified in, in terms of she's clearly enjoying it more, right? Mm -hmm. Because of what's, because of what's going on, this kind of physical ailment where she might lose her powers, it might kill her even, mm -hmm. but in the moment she's like yeah. enjoying giving into the rage and the yeah. anger. And yeah. then you have that uh, up against kind of her, her connections to family like she has a young baby boy she has um mm -hmm. you know a loved one back home and then at the same time she's reconnecting with without spoiling anything 
like elements of her family mm -hmm. historically and, and things that maybe she doesn't even know about. I'm curious. There's like there's a lot of of trying to figure out basically like how does how does a character like a Jessica Drew have family? What does that mean? How right. how can she actually get to exist sort of not happily ever after, but just like just get to have a family? Um, was that an element you really wanted to dig into? Just oh, like, oh, like yeah. the family legacy and all that? Oh, yeah, for sure. It's uh, because I, I knew a lot of people thought uh, when all of this, like once once we hit issue two, people definitely thought that her father was possibly going to be back in the picture. Yeah. Um, yeah. Psych out from Carla. Um, issue three takes a really nice turn. <laughs> yeah, I, I like where it went. Um, so, yeah, it's, I, I definitely, well, I, I felt like, Obviously, Jess would have a lot of rage that she's never dealt with based on, you know, she she was, you know, manipulated by her father. She was uh, physically changed by her father and Hydra. Um, and, you know, she just she's had so many betrayals. And I think when you have, you know, an upbringing like that, it just it screws you up pretty hardcore and there's a lot of anger that comes from that yeah. and you know it's a lot of it's almost like this core of deep-seated rage that if you don't let it out at some point <laughs> like it is going to poison you and that kind of becomes you know sort of a metaphor for everything that she's been going through in in mm -hmm. this in this this story um where you know, the elements that were protecting her previously, you know, have been stripped away. And so what is she left with? And, you know, same with, you know, there's a lot of family elements that she's now discovered. Um, and they're all tied into that. And at the end of this, we do get to the point where, you know, Jess realizes like, no, I do have a family. Like she made her own family. Right. And, and I think, that's another thing that's just so relatable for a lot of us right now is, you know, you know, the family that you're born of, the family that you share blood with might not necessarily have your best interests in mind, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that you're alone. Yeah. So. And that hits home in a big way. I think in the, in the spider woman, a hundred legacy, mm -hmm. issue, right. It's, it's a, it's a high octane, like exciting issue, but it's also like the, the emotional beats of it are, um, they hit really hard <laughs> because of because of who she's fighting against. Uh, so, yeah, no, it definitely works. All right. I got to ask in issue three, there's a brutal shot of Jess snapping a charging raptor's neck. She has punched several <laughs> dinosaurs throughout this book. What do you have against dinosaurs? I don't know. I, I, I didn't have anything going into the book, but then it just turns out they are so much fun to punch. Yeah. Um, I feel bad because Sue the T-Rex follows me on Twitter and I just keep <laughs> destroying all these dinosaurs. Uh, in my defense, those aren't actually... Dinosaur dinosaurs. Those are dinosaur hybrids. So they're point. kind of abominations, but coming up in issue seven and issue eight uh, or issue seven, there are like some dragons getting punched. So, you know, maybe at the end of the day, I've got uh, an, an un unexamined uh, animus against uh, reptiles. We, yep. I, I never thought of it before, but mm -hmm. it also just, they look rad getting punched. Much they like, do look very much fun. 
I mean, like a helicopter, eh, it just looks like a helicopter. A helicopter exploding looks amazing. Dinosaurs mm-hmm. are cool, but if you're, you know, snapping one's neck, that looks really cool. <laughs> it stands out. And then Perry Perez does a pretty nice job. Um, no. I was going to, speaking of the art here, so issue four ends on a cliffhanger, and I, I won't spoil the details, but, and this happens a couple times throughout the series, but like there's a threat approaching Jess. And it's visualized in the form of like the the Spider Woman logo. I love mm-hmm. that stuff. It looks super cool. Is that something that you try to script in in your collaboration, or is uh, that something where you just say like, "Here's the basic action," and Perry takes it a certain direction? It's uh, since the first issue where we kind of developed that we have the opening page that has been, you know, we have in this first arc, the first five issues, each ser- each issue starts with that really dark foreshadowing um, of action that is about to happen in the book. Um, I've been calling them like, like flash forwards or whatever. And, but but the word foreshadowing already exists. So I don't really need to invent anything. The color palette, very dark. (laughs) Yeah. It's dark. It's, 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 you know, it, it kind of gives you an insight into what Jess's headspace is right now Mm -hmm. and what's about to happen. Each ending page, uh, Pare came up with the idea for issue one, where we end with Jess on the boat, clearly very sick, um, mm-hmm. spewing mm-hmm. some acid. And yeah, he that can- shot <laughs> <out>. I mean, <laughs> people are like, oh my God, what kind of Spider Woman series are you writing? It's like, yeah. oh, just wait. Um, so it was his idea to come up with that for the Spider logo. And I just ran with that. And so each issue, uh, does like I do script them now. Yeah. Um, I might give a suggestion. Sometimes he comes up with something better. Uh, the the one the the way that the 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 logo is displayed in issue four that was I scripted that. Um, mm. But yeah, in other issues I'll be like, okay, this is in the cracks of the foundation of the floor. This is in the the trees behind them you know this Mm -hmm. is in the clouds you know so uh it has been scripted and and that's something that's still gonna you know going to be showing up as we go forward like uh, because i just think i think that's a really cool comic book feeling thing yeah yeah um, i like those bookends too in terms of like this is what you expect from this series can you because it's something that like al ewing and and joe bennett they do on immortal hulk where it's like okay we we open with a quote and we end with the big boom here's the the name of the issue and now you kind of get it right but it's a it's a thing that you connect with that book once it gets integrated so fully and coming into the next arc we're actually uh we're actually still sticking with our little signature i I keep going like our signature montage (laughs) opening page but that uh it's it's going to be a slightly different style. So each arc has a slightly different style for that Mm. opener. And I just, I think that's cool too, as a way to connect each issue in its own individual series. So we've been, we've been having a lot of fun uh, diving into those and figuring out how we, uh, how we present that and how we, how we uh, bookend, you know, each issue. But I mean, and obviously, at this point, I'm I'm getting pretty infamous for ending every single issue with a cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, very nice. So it, you mentioned you know having a lot of fun with it and, and beating up dragons. I, I imagine that's going to connect with the King and Black tie-ins that oh, are coming just, in issues seven and eight. Yes, yes. Um, how is it? How is it working? Writing for a tying into a major event like this because I think it's probably the first time you've done so. Um, you know, definitely in this ongoing. 
Well, in, in with Spider Woman, definitely, uh, I I had something like that when uh, when I was working on Fantastic Four twenty ninety nine because right, that sure. that was a situation where they actually brought in all of the writers on like a big conference call, and I was all like. I met my yeah. colleague, like Jerry Duggan, and you know, like uh, <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, all these people, this is cool, and also Chip is there, um, and so they had brought us all in, and so we'd all been swapping emails back and forth, coordinating stuff. I'd honestly even done that on that very first Gwynpool holiday special because I'm friends with Christopher Hastings and Ryan North, um, okay, yeah. so which Kathleen didn't know at the time she asked me to work on the book. So once we found out that we were all in the book, we were able to, I mean, I don't even know if the editors realized this until after the fact, we were all like coordinating with each other. It's like, oh, what are you doing? Okay, okay. Um, so I'm going to tie that in. And that's where like Ryan was like, oh, I'm using Fin Fang Foom in my story, but Spider-Man kicks his ass. I was like, great. When he shows up in mine, I'm going to have like some little bits of web hanging off his ear. Like, nice, yeah. He, this has been a very challenging day. Um, <clears throat> so I, I love being able to coordinate stuff like that for Spider-Woman and King in Black specifically. Uh, there's like, we coordinated with a few of the other editorial teams to know, okay, where is everyone right now? Like that's, right. I mean, that's the biggest part in a big tie-in like this. Cause ours is, I would say, Ours isn't a crossover. Ours is definitely a tie-in. Okay. So what's happening in Spider-Woman is being affected by everything that's going on in King and Black. Um, but while I would certainly recommend you read King and Black, you can probably figure out what's going on, even if, you know, it, it stands alone as a Spider-Woman series where a lot yeah. of a lot of weird stuff is going on right now. Um and so there's a lot of figuring out like, okay, which character is here? Where's Tony right now? Is like, if, you know, could Tony be over here? Like Tony's really busy. It's like, gotcha. So, um, so there's, there's some very cool, uh, familiar faces that show up in spider woman number seven, um, with various levels of enthusiasm about how Jess is acting right now. Okay. Um, but yeah, so it's it's definitely interesting. It's a challenge to figure out, okay, where's this person right now? What locations can we use? What should we come up with something different? You know, how are we getting them into this world and how are we getting them out of it? And so, yeah. but that's actually one of my favorite parts of writing comics is I love the the puzzle element to figuring yeah. out a script. Of uh, that's that's one of my favorite parts is the problem solving because uh, I always feel like I'm in the matrix where it's like okay I'm using this element here and that's not going to show up for a couple more issues but if anyone recognizes that later they're going to lose their mind um, nice. and how, how far out do you tend to plot things in terms of like I have a picture of where this could go up to issue blank we we've been plotting basically by arc um, so at the beginning, before I started writing issue one, we pretty much knew where we were going with issue five. Yeah. Um, like kind of have like a rough outline for each issue in the arc. Um, and then because of the, the lockdown, because of the publishing delay, we actually like right now I'm 
like Perez finishing up the art like this week for issue nine. I'm finishing up the script for issue ten. So okay. we're we're actually <laughs> uh, pr- yeah. we're pretty far ahead right now. And uh, Pere also like draws way too fast, so I'm always like, <laughs> oh, really? must type <laughs> faster, slow down. Yeah. I'm gonna make you draw so many dinosaurs if you don't like <laughs> give me a little more time to finish this script. Um, so uh, so yeah, coordinating that we. So I I generally I. I know a lot of people, especially with ongoings, end up sometimes will end up going just like issue to issue to issue. Um, mm-hmm. For me, I always like to have, and I think the editors appreciate knowing where we're heading um, from the beginning. So, yeah. uh, so it, we at least have like a rough idea of what's happening in each issue per arc, and then I break that down further. And so, so and some things might change, you know, depending on what's revealed in the scripting of, you know, each issue. But for the most part, we kind of, we at least have the arc pretty well figured out in advance. Nice. Very mm-hmm. cool. Uh, makes sense. So you're also currently writing uh, Betty Page mm-hmm. series for yeah. Dynamite Comics, which I have to admit, I did not, I did not realize Betty Page was based on a real person. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I, I oh, 100% no. thought like, oh, this is just a comic book character. Oh, no. And then I realized as I was reading the series, like, I have very, very big blinders on in terms of this <laughs> real person and her history. Yeah. So, I mean, I was a 90s goth rockabilly. So I obviously, I, I had the bangs at one point. So she, yeah. she was always like a really big fashion and life icon for me uh when i was like younger um she did actually have a rather tragic life um yeah outside documentary not too long ago that kind of explores that a bit yeah 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 so she she actually did have a rather tragic life so that's where i was where we were having fun with this series is kind of imagining if she was able to take a little left turn at Mm. one specific point where rather than going down this direction, she actually did make it out to Hollywood and try to be a star and things aren't necessarily easy, but we wanted to see like, okay, what would have happened if she'd had the chance to live up to her full potential? And the answer is obviously murder elephants on a mystery Island Yeah, beca- because it's still Carla writing this. So <laughs> yeah. Cause the story, right. The story is a huge murder mystery set on yeah, this, yeah. this Island where they were set to shoot. Um, it's very engaging as, as murder mysteries <laughs> go. Like you said, there is an elephant who, as far as I've read has been uh, accused. Yeah. Tus- poor Tuscums. Poor Tuscums. He never did know. Catch a break. <laughs> Poor Tuscans never meant to do no harm. No. Um, but yeah, we're, we're wrapping that one up. So it's just going to be a little five, five issue, like a standalone okay. story. But, yeah. um, but I, I've definitely, we, we've definitely had fun with it. And I, Nate Cosby is the editor on that. When he brought me in, um, he definitely, he was excited about doing kind of, uh, he kind of wanted to go back to the Brubaker, Darwin Cook, uh, Catwoman for a feel, like kind of hmm. that, you know, you know, mystery, you know, like sass. Um, but yeah. we, we kind of expanded it and I just, I really love clue and knives out. And so Got that a, a that's strong clue feel for sure. Oh, yeah. I love that. Out. Yeah. Yeah. Ball. So uh, yeah. yeah, Nate was very much, he's like, I really want this to have like a knives out feel. And I was like, okay, yeah, I can do that. So yeah. at this point, like right now, I'm sure everyone like, cause uh, issue four just came out of that. Or, it, or sorry, issue three just came out. Mm-hmm. Um, issue four's got even more revelations, and then issue five, we basically just like, okay, 
here's like here's, here's me what it was. here's me yeah. wrapping up all of the uh like here's all our big reveals here's all the uh the threads coming together and Carla desperately hoping that this uh holds water <laughs> yeah yeah so you, you touched on it so I looking at the you know the character or the person's real life um it, she, she she's a real life 50s pinup model mm -hmm. right it, it, modernizing that kind of like even just that like that job essentially like that yeah. that role of a person for today's world you said you know you tried to kind of do like almost an alt reality like what if she took a left here instead of a yeah. right right in, in terms of her life and what she was allowed to do um is there anything else that you may like really wanted to emphasize in terms of like how do we how do we do this? I, I don't know if tastefully is the right word, but that's what yeah, comes to mind. Uh, because it, can be, it can feel exploitive. Oh, no, no. Yeah, it's it was definitely something like I was worried even just taking it on initially, because, again, I, I love Betty Page and she was yeah. a, she was a big icon for me growing up. But it was a tragic life and she had a rather sad ending, really only regained ownership of her name and her image at the very end of her life. And, and this is an officially, like it's licensed by the estate of Betty Page. Like this yeah, is an yeah. official sanctioned comic and everything, but it, it is, you, you, you always worry. It's like, am I taking advantage of somebody's pain? You know, you don't, mm. you know, so it, it was something that I, I thought about a lot, um, where I wanted to be respectful. Um, and I didn't like, even though it is kind of a, an over the top story, <laughs> you know, it's like everyone's running around, murders are happening, mysteries mm -hmm. are happening. Um, you know, there's a lot of trying to figure out like, Oh, what's going on here? Okay. Who did that? Um, but I wanted, I mean, what always attracted me and I think so many people to Betty page is she had this joyous sensuality to her. Um, yeah. like she was very sexual, but it was always with a wink. Um, and that was why she was so, you know, she stood out so much of yeah. with her burlesque and with her pinups and, you know, the few films that she did, which were all rather naughty. Um, yeah, right. but there was always a joy in them and she always, you never felt like she was being exploited. You felt like she was a woman who was taking delight in mm. her sensuality and her life. And even if that was not necessarily true at the very end of her life, it was, there was just always just something so charismatic that really drew people to her. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what I was kind of trying to show in, you know, the comic, as far as her characterization is people were drawn to her and some people were jealous and, you know, definitely, yeah. you know, not, not as big of fans. And, you know, when someone is like that, you know, jealousy can definitely sink in, you know, as we see in some of the other characters, but, um, one, one element that I've been using and it's, uh, it's a very, uh, subtle one, I guess, is the fact that each of the, uh, each of the Betty Page issues usually uses like some sort of narrator or some sort of, you know, people telling the story yeah. around Betty. Um, and those may or may not be reliable narrators. You know, we, we see what other people are thinking we see what other people are saying. We never actually see what Betty is thinking because right. 
felt like she never really got to tell her own story in her own words. Mm. And so I wasn't going to put thoughts or motivation into her mouth, <laughs> if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Um, so we see everyone telling the story around Betty. We see her being a very big part and an active part of the story, but we never actually see what Betty is thinking because she didn't get to do that for herself. And so that was a little conceit that I came up with. And <laughs> that's smart. I like that. Yeah. It's, you know, it's funny again, like having the total ignorance of the person's life. Heading oh, into right. it, I was like, Oh, she reads a lot like wonder woman, like the, like the way <laughs> yeah. she's written here. I'm yeah. like, Oh, just everyone kind of gravitates towards her. She's always kind of helping, you know, and mm -hmm. has empathy towards characters who others don't. And it's like, you know, that was, that was the, the superhero version. I kind of thought in my head. <laughs> no, I, lo I love that. I love that. Yeah. But yeah, obviously I've got my thing for my brunette. So that's, uh, <laughs> got, that, got that corner. Covered, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Even though Jess isn't a natural, is a natural blonde, not an actual brunette, but that is a little known, little known fact <laughs> for sure. <laughs> what can you tell us about what's up next for, uh, for Jessica Drew? Uh, so, uh, so yeah, well, so we just wrapped up with the Legacy 100 where we, you know, kind of finished our arc. It says end, but there's clearly a a lot it's of the end of the first uh, the first trade, right? It'll be yeah, the first collection. Yeah, the first yeah. first collection uh, will be called Bad Blood, which we all agreed was fairly appropriate. Yeah. And that'll be available uh in December. Nice. And so we're so, and then also, obviously, in the Legacy 100, we had that great uh, Mattia de Luis um, second story that, Backup, yeah. um, that you know, had all the kind of tribute covers that. Uh, yeah, that was cool. Yeah, that no, lot, no, right? we 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 were really happy with how that turned out. So that, yeah. So it's kind of you know, pay, you know, it's the Legacy. We wanted to pay tribute to. 43 years and a hundred issues of history right. while also setting up what's where Jess is about to go. And so mm -hmm. her next step is obviously, as you've seen the cover for issue six, uh, she and Carol are going to space. Right. <laughs> um, Coming up with a good friend, Carol Danvers. Yeah. So we got, so, so we got Spider-Woman and Captain Marvel in space. Um, and that, that one, that issue is just, it's a lot of fun. But clearly, Jess still isn't 100% yet, and Carol's not really pleased with her for trying to run off and do all this stuff on her own. Um, yeah. So even as they are searching the galaxy and some really dark and wacky locations, trying to find more clues about what's what happened with Jess's mom, you know, trying to find a cure for what, you know, what's still currently ailing Jess, um, they're still also having some heart to heart talks while they're punching alien scum across the moon. Perfect. <laughs> so a very, a, a very Carla comic once again. Yeah. Wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> awesome. We'll be looking for that. What, what else is up next for you uh, on the horizon? Any projects you want to pitch or, or talk about? Oh, uh, it's, uh, I, I am actually like, because this year has been so crazy. I, I, I would love to be someone like Teeny or Kelly who are just cranking out amazing work after amazing work after amazing work. Uh, I, I have been asked uh, from a few different people about, you know, hey, any projects you want to work on, any other stuff? And I'm just like, I really want to just focus on this. Like, I want to do oh, a sure. yeah. I want to do a really good job on the things that I've currently got. And then once I can get a few issues ahead of Pere, because again, draws so freaking fast um 
And then we'll see about maybe uh, bringing in some some new stuff. Um, got a few ideas, but we'll we'll see what happens. But for the most You're part, all in on uh, on Spider Woman. Oh uh, yeah, it's yeah. like no, nah, it's like I, I gotta gotta take my girl to the mountaintop and bring her back home. So. <laughs> Awesome. Well, Carla, thanks so much for joining. This was a pleasure. Oh, thanks um, so much, it's Dave. It's been a blast. I recommend people check out Spider-Woman. Again, like it's a good time. You can check out those first five issues as one complete story. And then we're going to space with Captain Marvel and then on into the <laughs> King and Black yeah. crossover from there. Yeah. Uh, so it'll be uh, it'll be exciting times for Jess. Should be a lot of action, dinosaurs and dragons coming our way. And, I, and, I and many, many heart like many bones broken, many hearts ripped out. It is the okay. it is the Carla fashion. There we go. Perfect. <laughs> All right, Kyle, this was a blast. Thanks so much. Thanks and, so much. Uh, yeah, we'll talk to you again soon. All right, thanks.